We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, but today doesn't feel that way. We are divided in more ways than one, and the media and the powers that be all have their own agenda. The people of this great nation no longer care about the truth, they only care about the side they are on. At Poor360, I am trying to change that. We're bringing you the facts and history so we can all learn something and make our own decisions. Tune in every Tuesday to be a part of that journey. What on earth is that? It's a Journey in the Comics Network production! Went forward in time to view alternate futures, to see all the possible outcomes of the coming conflict. How many did you see? 14,605. How many did we win? One. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Journey Into Comics, the podcast that's dedicated to everything nerd. With your host, the podfather himself, Nate Phillips, and introducing his new co-host, Tyler McLaughlin. You should have gone for the head. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey Into Comics. It's Journey Into Comics 296. I am your host, Nate. Today, joining me once again, he is not, in fact, on his last hunt. He is the savage one, the stepdad of the Journey Into Comics network. (laughs) You know him, you love him, and you enjoy that big dick energy. He's swinging on a nightly basis. Welcome back once again to the show, Tyler! I am going to, like, giggle every time you refer to me as the stepdad of the Journey in the Comics Network. Um, just, one, it's so perfect, but two, it's just, I mean, how many times does a nickname like that just get thrown out and just naturally happen? Just felt good. It, it was good. It was, you know, the thing I think is kind of unfortunate is the real first cut of me calling you that is, like, lost to the annals of time because I'm a dumb shit. But that is not. But it'll always not- be right here. It'll always be in old, in old dad's heart. <laughs> so, how have you been, dude? What's good in your world? Um, still still working on my diet. I've added some things back in. Not, uh, you know, no major adverse effects. Still feeling uh, dope in the hand region. Yeah, yeah. I mean, still feeling good. Like, and if I eat something I'm not supposed to, like I know, I notice the pain in my hand. Like last night, cheated on my diet a little bit. For the first time in my adult life, and in general, Skylar and I ordered Insomnia cookies. What's that? It's uh, Insomnia cookies is this this uh, basically cookie bakery that that pops up on college campuses, and you order you order cookies from their bakery, and then they deliver them to your house at like all hours of the day and night. I think they're open from like nine to three in the morning, so. Like nine a.m. until three in the morning. So holy shit! Um, uh, no, just put it over there. Sorry, Spo- we uh, we uh, we ordered cookies and and I smashed a few cookies last night and um, my hand hurt this morning and I know why. It's because I ate all the sugar and the carbs. And you're like, oh, what was I doing? But you know, I think the science is definitely there. Obviously, you gotta you gotta not put that crap in your body, but you also have to um, you have to figure out what moderation is for you, and you have to not deprive yourself of all good things in life. So yeah, we, so I, 
Go ahead. We, we, I was say we've only really got one go at this world, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, to not enjoy things is silly. Um, and to be on a diet is hard and to be restricted is difficult. This first seven days with no pop, you know, last week you were 10 days in and I was like, you didn't tell me I had to. You didn't tell me I was supposed to. I just felt inspired by your words and said, I'm jumping on the no pop train. (laughs) Seven days in, man, I feel really good. That's good. It's noticeable. Biggest thing I've noticed, and it was something you said that, that cued me back to like focusing on paying attention to that. I get right out of bed in the morning not even trying to be groggy. Like even if I'm like, Oh, I'm sleeping in, I wake up and then it's like, Oh, it's only eight 30. It's not really sleeping in. I used to sleep till 10 sometimes when I was like heavy, heavy pop drinking, you know? Right. So I'm like, okay, I feel pretty good. You know, I've been doing a lot of walking, a mm-hmm. uh, lot of fucking playing Pokemon go. Cause that's, that's my new jam and, and shit and stuff like that. And uh, I've been having a lot of fun with that, playing some video games with the kiddo and stuff. Reading some good comics, man. Just trying to wait out the storm. I will say it was really interesting. I was in Meyer yesterday doing mm-hmm. the family's grocery run, getting all of our stuff. Went through the toy aisle to look, you know, at some stuff for Oliver always, and also. You always got to browse it because you never know what's going to be there. You don't, and I and I was actually surprised because you know what I found, and I don't think maybe they didn't really consider this, but they made a big kind of fuck up because the Black Widow movie pops are out. Oh, really? And they shouldn't technically be because the movie isn't out. But if the movie would have come out in release time, these pops would be right on the right window. So right. obviously Funko is keeping their their line on track. They don't give a shit about when movies are releasing and stuff like that. They're just on their own trajectory. Well, I mean, I'm glad I'm kind of glad that you brought that up because you think about like how. Like when a wave of new pops comes out, you know, people obviously blow it out of the water as far as pre-orders go, especially some, like, I haven't purchased any Mandalorian pops because they've had... Wave two's out, and oh, they almost got me. Well, they have, you know, wave one, wave two, like each time they've done it, the waves have been so close together, there's so many variant pops, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to get all, like, this is the first time I'm going to get an entire collection, an entire run of pops, and I just can't, like like every other time I've tried, I just can't keep up. You know, it's, it's impossible. Al- it's impossible, and it's almost not worth it because, say, I were to go and buy, um, like the 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 Mando on um the Blurg. Yeah. You know, as soon as that gets to my house, they're gonna announce a variant of a different pose of him on the Blurg or of like. Like a, like a diorama where it's him on the blurg trying to learn how to ride it and quill, you know, they would do something like that, and then I would have to buy that to be complete. And I don't, I don't like to be stressed out by things that I enjoy. You know, it, it's I, I like to collect them because they're fun to look at. I don't take them out of the package, um, you know. But like one, I got to have the space for them, and two, y- you can't keep up, so it's not worth it anymore. Really, I don't think. It's. I mean, I think I've done a good job. I mean, at one point, so rewind back to like 2012 when Pops first started being a thing, and I was like one of the first collectors in that world and was literally getting everything they had that was of awesomeness. The only regret I have, and, and I am to this day kick myself in the balls about it, I wanted to start the Disney collection when they first started the Disney Pops, and I just went, 
eh, I'll get them. They'll be easy to find. And that was the biggest crock of shit because yeah. they became the hardest, most expensive pops to find. And I had access to all of them. I could have had all of them. And at one point, I had all the Star Wars ones, you know? And and at one point, you outgrow that collection. The collection outgrows you. And you have to go, okay, well, what's the step? And... um I was fortunate enough to make a shit ton of money on those Star Wars pops, considering the investment that was put into them and mm-hmm. the investment that I got out of it was exponential. You know, I mean, we're talking thousands of percents uh, earned back in, in you know, uh, over time. But, like, and, and some of that was just in, like, one pop. My fucking Shadow Trooper, I bought for fourteen ninety nine on eBay, brand new, when SDCC 2012, I think, or 14, I think it was 2012, uh, had just happened, and there were only 480 of them. And I was like, oh, I just want one. It looks cool. Like, I want to have all 14 of them if they're going to have them. Mm-hmm. Pre-order, pre-order. And it became a $2,000 pop when I sold it. You know, like, wow. that's insane. You know, like, genuinely, that was insane. And now I'm looking at pops, and I'm like, strategic. What am I going to collect? What's right. good? I'm only going to get Guardians of the Galaxy-based pops. I don't have all of them right now. I do have some of the rarer ones. And maybe someday I'll go back and try to get all of those pops that I don't have from the Guardians collection. Who knows? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Right now, I've set my sights on a new little gem because they just started releasing Fantastic Four pops. Mm. And buddy, let me say, oh, okay, so the collection is obviously Mr. Fantastic, Invisible Woman, Johnny Storm thing, Doctor Doom, you have Herbie, Silver Surfer, a small size Galactus. That one pisses me off. He needs to be like a 24-inch pop and be the first ever of that size. <sighs> yeah. I honestly think so. A two-foot fucking Galactus pop in comparison to the size of all these little pops would be stunning. It would be Man, a pop piece. But but let, but let me ask you this. Like think about think about if they come out with this this Galactus pop, right? Like sure. for example, this book that's in my hand, this uh Building a Foundation in Mathematics book, okay? Electrical, sure. en- electrical engineering book here. This is about 12 inches, right? Sure. Okay. Do we need a Galactus pop that's this big? Yes. Do you want me to, do the, you the want answer, me to answer honestly? The answer is yes, we do. We actually need him to be bigger. I know. So I would say two more books worth of height would be perfect for Galactus because you want him to be almost obscenely big. Because he's fucking Galactus. He's the eater of worlds. And it's like my one of my all-time favorite things in my pop collection, and I, this was not at all our plan for the day, but I love that we're getting into it because I haven't nerded out on pops for a long time. Look at you bringing out the tape measure. So for Look reference, I've got three feet of tape from my hand to where the tape measure's at, where the front of it at. We really need a Galactus that's like this size, like a three-footer. Yes. Because three, if you I did, love it. If you did a two-footer... That's just not big enough. It I isn't. Mean, that's, it's I mean, not it's big. big and I think the biggest, I want to say that 18 inch is the I, biggest. As I of think right so, now. yeah. And that's Buzz Lightyear. Um, uh, well, there was the 18 inch Mandalorians and, or Boba Fett. They had an 18 inch Boba Fett variant, an 18 inch Olaf. When Frozen 2 came out. And then I think. I think there's a couple more that they're making in the 18 inch range now. Man, but not but not very many. I I think it's still a small small number. So it's and funny that you bring up small because in the 
counter direction of large, the thing that I think is most incredible is of my entire collection, my uh, Ant-Man from Collector Core. It was the second box they ever mm. released right when the Ant-Man movie came out. It comes with Scott Lang in the suit, no helmet, and then the smallest pop ever created, which is a tiny Ant-Man pop. Mm-hmm. And, dude, it's absolutely amazing. It's like, man, they were so creative with that. I want them to be. That's like one thing that pissed me off about their WWE collection. They did Andre the Giant, normal size. Right. I call bullshit. you got to make him a six-inch pop in yep. a line of regular-sized dudes. Yep. It makes the most sense, and it's those kind of missed opportunities that make me kind of hate Funko. Some of their, I mean, officially when Coles started having like a Captain America variant of a pop, I was like, okay, Coles, I'm out. Walgreens, like I'm out. Well, Walgreens was always in the game. I mean, Walgreens has been one of the earliest supporters of the pops. I mean, I used to find them when I couldn't find them in Targets or Meyer. Sometimes I would find them in Walgreens, and then now. You know, there are Walgreens exclusives, which, like you were saying, but Toys R Us has exclusives. GameStop has exclusives. I mean, I'm just looking at the wall. Hot to- Okay, let's see. Let's go down the list. I've got a Loot Crate exclusive, an Amazon exclusive, an Entertainment Earth exclusive, Hot Topic, a Chase variant, which is dope as shit. Toys R Us, GameStop, Collector Core, Walmart, FYE, uh, the Summer Convention exclusives. You've got... Um, any of the SDCC exclusives. I'm trying right. to look here. I've got like some weird GTS exclusive Captain Marvel with her helmet on pop that it's like they licensed them to fucking if you gave them some money and said, hey, let's let's like license a pop that's exclusive to this place. They were like on it. Let's do it. Thanks for investing in Funko, bro. Because right. people were going to try to flock to get it. And if you hold some back and and every fucking person that had exclusives did this shit. They hold some back, and then they put them in the aftermarket at the price they set. Yeah. They're the first people putting them out on the on the eBay right when it's sold out are the fucking people that know it's sold out because they have the control of it, and they can go, guaranteed that it's sold out because I'm in control of the stock, and I can also say this one's going to go for $400. Come on, baby. And people do, man. Well, and like a, a perfect example of that is the Mass Effect pops. You know, when those came out, obviously big fan of the series. I bought Commander Shepard, Garrus, and Grunt. I bought all three of them once at uh, off of Amazon. I got like I paid like nine nine to thirteen dollars per pop. I think for each one, and then I was gonna get oh I got Liara too, and then I was gonna get um, Tally, uh, Miranda, and then. Um, I was waiting for for any more to come out, and if you if you try and find the tally pop at one time, you know it was in the three three to five hundred dollar range. Something that as it came out was nine dollars. You know, yeah. obviously I, I obviously I get supply and demand, but something that's nine dollars should not cost five hundred dollars. Well. Correct, because it is a piece of plastic. But this it's is a piece of plastic. Do you know what this is? Pops, Pops was our era's baseball cards. Of, uh, well, I was actually going to say coming of age comics when people started realizing comics had value. Oh yeah, then, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That market jacked itself way up because in the very beginning, okay, uh, I'm going to start naming off some pops I used to have. So I had all the Marvel pops. That's including the the number one Thor, number two Loki which were wow. 100% impossible to find. We had two Lokis. 
Some smoke shop in California had them. They sent us only a Thor. And we were like, hey, you're supposed to send us a Thor and a Loki. And they're like, no worries. We'll make it right. And they sent us two Lokis. Cool. So I was like, okay, cool. And I ended up you know, selling those eventually. But So I had all of that run, all of the first Avenger movies pops, including the variant Loki that was super hard to find back then. It was an SDCC exclusive limited 480. Um, and those were not expensive or hard for me to get. They were, oh, $10? Cool. I can, I, can, I can shell that out. Oh, I think I paid... Fifteen ninety nine for that Loki SDCC that I ended up. I think I sold it for like six fifty. Wow. And yeah, and and just and I'm like, okay, the market's wild, but then you get the crazy seedy underside. And I'm gonna tell something that I've probably maybe shouldn't talk about, but fuck them. I'm not in those groups anymore, so they can eat a dick. There are kind of technically gambling pop pages. Do you know about this? No. Okay, so there is something called waffling. Do you know about the waffle? Nope. Okay, so this is how the game is played. This is how I sold a large majority of my collection at the time. Uh, and it's also how I got and, 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 occur, and incurred some of my rarer pops later in the game that were very valuable that I didn't spend nearly the price they were. Because what it is is they say, okay, I have fucking planet Aurelia Vegeta. It's $2,000, okay? Mm-hmm. $2,000 is expensive. No one's going to shell out $2,000. But if I told you for 20 bucks you can get one slot in a raffle, you would probably be like, oh, I'll, I'll throw 20 bucks in the in the loop. I might get two slots and do, do 40 or just do 10 slots and have a good a 10% chance of winning the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So then essentially you put down your PayPal Everybody who puts on the list PayPal's you the money. Once your money is received and you have the total that you're trying to sell that pop for, they do this magic hat thing where they put all these names in this magic hat and then it randomly selects a name. That person wins the thing. And then the person that has the thing ships it to that person and that's that. Wow. And it I'm you know, I'm not gonna say specific group names, but it is a very, very, very large thing happening. And those groups have went from doing pops to now I've noticed some of those groups that I used to be in do actual money just straight up you put in 60 bucks the total pot's 6000 bucks cuz there's 100 slots or whatever mm-hmm. you know winner takes the whole pot wow and it's cra- and it's crazy cuz it all started with pop vinyls and collecting plastic and um you know I'll never forget I'm looking at one of my my biggest wins ever right now uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 life-size Groot exclusive to Target. It was mm-hmm. one of the only pops that, like, when I saw it, my heart immediately sank. No chance I'll ever have that pop. No chance I'll ever see it in the wild. As soon as it hits shelves, it'll be gone. People are going to be sniping to have it so they can sell it in the aftermarket. Mm-hmm. The day it came out, it was $170 brand new on God. the aftermarket, okay? And just so happened somebody had some in a waffle group. And they had $7 slots. I bought one slot, and I fucking won it. And I was like, (laughs) like, I was running around the house like Michael fucking Jordan, just like, yeah, fucking yeah. I did it. God damn it. I I didn't even do anything. I was just sitting there watching the, you know, the results play out because they'll like film the actual hat drawing being done so they, you can see it was like not tampered with or anything. Mm -hmm. And 
that was an absolutely incredible, like, can't believe it happened moment. And then that happened one other time with the Mars Attacks Martian. Mm-hmm. There was a limited chase variant, and uh, it was like $200 pop, and I put a one-time $10 slot in, and uh, I got it. And the cra- the crazier thing about that is is that um, when they what they would do is after everybody in the comments had said paid, they would eventually say like video is done and and editing now you know like getting ready to send it or whatever, and as soon as they put video done, um, announcing winner soon, I commented before I knew, I literally on my own record commented, I'm here. And then the dude messaged me, and he's like, I don't know how the fuck you knew you won, but, dude, you fucking won. Like, before he announced it on the thing, he told me. He's like, you just freaked me the fuck out, dude. Wow. And I was like, well, that's the game. But, yeah, man, pops are crazy. I can't believe we're down this wild wormhole this early in the show. Uh, But there are good ones, and there are bad ones. And sometimes when you see a pop, like I was talking about the Fantastic Four ones, they've also got Mole Man. Herbie, Super Scroll, you know, Galactus, as I said. So it's it's a large, dope collection. But then I started looking and realizing Sue Storm has a variant where she's partially invisible. Of course, mm-hmm. that's the one I would want. It's really expensive. Uh, there's a, a Human Torch one. I think it either lights up or it glows in the dark. One of the two. It's also a higher-priced one variant. I'm just like, come on, man. You can't even get ahead. You're behind as soon as the game starts. Yeah, I mean, look at look at like I can get the, um, like here here's like I just typed in Funko Pop on uh, Amazon just now, and the 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 top five right, we've got the Mandalorian, the Child, the next one is um, Tony Stark, I am Iron Man at the end of Endgame. It's glow in the dark, deluxe vinyl. It's fifteen bucks. It's a pre order. Uh, the next one is the Mandalorian and the child, like the little diorama. That's yeah. thirty bucks. Uh, the next one is Captain America with broken shield and Mjolnir. That one looks dope. Uh, and the Mandalorian with the with the cup with the bone broth. You know, those are the top five. Uh, uh one, two, three, four of those five are pre orders. I would pre-order two of those right now, the Stark and the Cap America. But think about this. Those right now on Amazon, under the Funko Pop search uh, title, of the thousands of Funko Pops that exist, those five are the top sellers, and they're not even out yet. That's crazy. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, that is the demand for Funko Pops. Like, it, it's incredible. I don't you know, know if I, you're gonna. Go I ahead. Don't know if you're gonna be able to see this, but I wanted to show you. Can you see that? Yeah. That's my current um, pop collection. I'm not gonna reveal that number on the podcast. I don't want to be robbed. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and and I've not done anything. They just sit here. They're my collection. Oh, fucking story time, bro. All right. So we had somebody in our house for the first time in a couple months and I we've been pretty precautious but Ollie was at his grandma's his grandma dropped him back off at home mm-hmm. and her boyfriend was with her and Ollie's like I want to show you my room which is the comic room you know that we it's double down or whatever so right. like 
Grandma walks in, everything's fine. Grandma's boyfriend walks in, hits the fucking guardian shelf, and topples half of it. I dive and catch every last fucking pop falling before they hit the ground. It was insanity. Only Rocket Raccoon got badly damaged, which does hurt a little bit because he's not the easiest to find now. But it was still like a moment as a collector that I've always feared, and I actually had to witness it happen in real time, dude. (laughs) And let me just say, I had enjoyed some of the roots and herb and uh, was... uh, my my greater consciousness was feeling itself, so it was just a very like slowed down time. Like oh no, <laughs> <laughs> like uh. Thanos jumps off the shelf. I'm like fuck, <laughs> 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 gotta catch that. Oh no, what am I gonna do? And then he's like, sorry, sorry, oh my bad, sorry, damn it, oh oh oh, you know. And I'm just like, leave, get out of my house, leave. Now. I should have been like super serious, just like fucking leave. I'm just kidding, man. <laughs> like I'm just messing with you. But I'm not. Get the fuck get it, out. Get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Get the fuck out. Don't come so, back ever. Ty, I got a question for you. All right, hit me. We have a kind of like a um, what do you call it? Tale of two roads. We can either go down the road of uh. We can start talking about the comic, or we can kind of start talking about some of these news topics. And I kind of know that we're going to probably go down the news topic aisle first, because you just got delivered some food. So if you need me to riff while you smash, I um, I can do some riffage. No, I'll, I'll go in between. Yeah, I think I think we should touch on this news stuff first. It's okay. all star. It's all Star Wars focused. Um, you well, know, there's because... one other thing we can go t- ahead. touch on because we we both got tagged in something. Uh, and I keep getting tagged in these fucking things about different, um, you know, news stories while we're in the current coronavirus about what's happening at Marvel. And you and I were tagged in a Hulk's not going to do any more Marvel thing. And I and 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 scr- like, OK, I'm just going to say this here two places specifically. If you get your headlines from Screen Rant or you get your headlines from We Got This Covered shove them both in your ass. They're over-exaggerated, overly hyped, and usually misinformation, clickbaity headlines. And I know that because, you know, first and foremost, you had this Hulk's not doing anything in the MCU. His story arc is finished. Bullshit. They just literally said that Mark Ruffalo is in talks to have a special role in She-Hulk. So we know that's complete horseshit. He's in phase four. That it is also there's also been a thing that they were talking about in a recent interview with Mark Ruffalo where every time he discusses with Marvel things he'd like to do, they try to find a way to actually incorporate those into their future plans. He really? says, it, yeah, he has had ideas like we, it would be cool if we brought Hulk to space. And they were like, that's actually what we wanted to do. But, yes, that makes sense. Like, that's a great idea. And they help him be collaborative in this whole process. So Hulk is really his baby. And. I think that he said himself that there are still a couple movies he'd like to be a tandem player in, one of which would be a Tom Holland Spider-Man. And that would be absolutely incredible. That's one of like the coolest team-ups in all of of Amazing Spider-Man history, is Amazing Spider-Man 120 specifically, which is a Hulk Spider-Man friendly team-up episode where everything in the world is is crazy with Parker and it's still good, but 
the very next issue, you know, uh, the world falls out from under him. And uh, obviously we have the death of Gwen Stacy right after that. But before that, you had this, like, cool Hulk thing. And Hulk's, Hulk's such a good duo guy. I think he's always been a, not a sidekick. I don't want him to, but he plays better with others. Because Hulk dialogue by Hulk self is Hulk angry, Hulk smash. It's kind of dumb and, oh, little caveman, Hulk angry, make a smash, make poop. You know, like... What I really appreciate, as much as I... I'll be honest with you. And this opinion, I don't think, for me, is going to change anytime soon. And in the last couple days, you know, while we're talking about the Hulk and clickbaity titles, you know, there's all these articles on the interwebs out that are saying, this is how the Hulk could be the MCU's next big villain. Like, okay, let's let's... Let's just hit pause, please. I want to see more of the Hulk. I want to see not you know as as unbiased as I possibly can be. I want to see more of the Hulk because of the the narrative drama that you have created now with this character. You took him in the beginning as somebody who the team didn't accept, didn't want in, uh, even involved because he's a monster. You know, he's He's uncontrollable, and then you go into unpredictable. Unpredictable. Too. Thank you. You move forward through the timeline, and he's underappreciated. And then when you get to um, you get to uh, Age of Ultron, and it's like, well, I mean, I mean, we really need him, but you know, we have to have the animal handler. That's what Nat was to everyone else on the team. She was, excuse me, she was the zookeeper. She was the one who kept Banner under control. And oh, once, she wasn't one of those chicks going to Tijuana to bang a donkey. Because I mean, was she, kind she of a yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, <laughs> I I thought that was kind of going without saying, you know. But because uh, we've talked about that before, like Black Widow's obviously Natasha's into some freaky shit. But oh yeah, green's her Watch favorite this color. Cucumber disappear. <laughs> um. Anyway, so like now that, especially now that that uh, Natasha's gone, they wouldn't focus on, um, they would not focus on Smart Hulk bringing, trying to bring back Natasha with the snap, for no reason. Like that is something that you and I and and literally everyone else in the fandom kind of glazed over. Like obviously it was an incredibly emotional scene. Um, you know, him throwing the, the fucking whatever out into the lake. I don't even remember what it was because it, it was dumb. Um, like, like th- this is all relevant. Like, they are setting up emotional drama with that character moving forward for a reason. You know, and I'm sure a lot of that is She-Hulk. That is now going to be a romantic involvement for Bruce. There's going to be a lot of emotional confliction because Natasha is, you know, we've talked about it on the show before. She was the only one who saw Banner for who he was and not the monster, not the animal. Um, But I love Hulk as a supporting character until we get through all this emotional drama and narrative stuff that they've set up. That's when you give us true... Planet Hulk. That's when you give us true, the Immortal Hulk. Whatever, whatever main storyline you could make Hulk kind of the pseudo villain, um, because when you give when you give uh, Hulk the rage, the true power, uh, that that maybe 
Thanos had a little too much of when they went one on one. Um, who's going to stop him? It's going to take it's going to take the whole team to bring down the Hulk when he's got the intelligence and the you know the superpower, for lack of a better term. My brain has just been broken because we're talking about Endgame again, and my brain just, the wheel started spinning. So <clears throat> Hulk says, you know, I tried to bring her back. I mm-hmm. did, and, I, and, it, and, and it didn't work. That's because at that moment, the Soul Stone is still with them. That is very important, okay? Now, <clears throat> fast forward to the end of the movie. I am Iron Man, right? His one focus to just get rid of Thanos. Thanos is a bad dream. The bad dream is gone, wiped forever. They're still in possession of the Soul Stone, okay? The moment this all changes is a moment off screen. We do not see it. We do not know officially. However, you could be led to believe that in the moment that Natasha and Barton are fighting on Vormir... Cap shows up. Hey, guys. You don't need to do that. You can't go back to the time you were in, obviously, because that time played out how it had to. But you're here. Now, if ever you want to cross time streams, which they've already teased they might do, which could help, honestly, to bigger picture this just a little bit, them attempting to bring Natasha back and actually succeeding would make captivating movie and here's why I say that if you have Hulk in an, his own solo movie in a, on a mission to to save Natasha and he finds a way to do it because he knows the stones have been returned he knows that she's in a different timeline we know that the quantum tunneler uh, doesn't exist anymore but they've taken that technology and used it on the new mini ramp like they used in the earlier part of the movie he brings her back but that decision and fucking with the time stream again is also what imminently brings Kang the Conqueror, who is pissed the Avengers keep fucking with the timeline. And he's I like, like it. no, y- your friend fucking died, dude. My people, too. My fucking people got snapped because of Thanos, motherfuckers. I watched half of my people go, and guess what? I watched them go in three different time streams. You know, so he's like extra hot about it. Mm-hmm. And then you have to watch Nat die again. Differently, more emotionally, maybe in front of Bruce. Maybe just a moment where you think she's fine and she sacrifices herself again, but in a different aspect. So her her story wraps the same, but it's, you know, bookended slightly differently. Um, it, it could really make for really captivating, uh, captivating drama on the big screen. And right now we're playing in a really weird time because who knows what Marvel, when, where we'll get what, why, like can Falcon and winter soldier come out before black widow now? Because it should have been coming out in the time frame Black widow is now coming out. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's very confusing. Well, and, and, and <clears throat> to kind of hit pause while we're talking about King, the conqueror, like King, the conqueror, is such, such an incredible character. Like, you know, there there's been team ups with Doctor Doom and, and 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 like where do you go next? Like what villain do you bring in next that's gonna after be after Kang? No 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 no. I mean after in the limbo that we're at now that Thanos is out of the picture, like where do you go next? Like you and I have obviously thrown out in the past, we've asked each other this question, 
we've we've done our like wish lists of of of, of absolutely who who is the next like overarching villain for the series and it's got to be Galactus but it has to be it has to be Galactus but look at what you could do with Kang the Conqueror with Doctor Doom like you could you could eat up a lot of screen time with those two villains and push Galactus off I think for a really really long time with the two of those like People saga together. four, yes. saga four, which is which many many you know fa- we're talking phase like fifteen at that point probably. Um, I agree with you. I think Kang is a big chunk. It takes, and this is no pun intended, a lot of time. I think it would be very interesting to make Kang and and essentially my 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 like perfect world would be this: the thing I said about them bringing Natasha back comes to fruition. Kang comes back pissed. Maybe they bring other Avengers back too. Quicksilver, somebody that's like not expected, you know, mm-hmm. now that they can. Um, and then like, you know, as soon as Kang forces them to kill Natasha or she dies or however, whatever happens, boom, he just flashes away back into the time stream and they have to go chase him through time. Yeah. So then you can kind of have time travel movies where you have the Avengers now in offset places and things and you can kind of make things Fun and different while still being like you could almost have a Western style superhero movie where they have to mute their powers in front of people because they're trying to like maintain the air that there is no super powered beings in like the 1700s or some shit. Who knows, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then have to like flat flash forward to see a super future where, you know, maybe Tony Stark is revealed to have been a pedophile the whole time and they take away his I'm not saying that's the case but something crazy that you wouldn't expect is is revealed you know that you're just like wow the world I thought we knew isn't real and and what we had isn't isn't as good as it was because here's Kang revealing it to us you know and they've actually set Kang up he's already technically in some form in the universe and no one's really looked at this character and given him much thought but there's a character who is only starred in two Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, okay? But I feel has great, massive longevity and importance. And that would be the kid from Iron Man 3. The kid in Iron Man 3 has this loving, soft, touching moment with Tony. They bond. Tony helps him to, like, have a nice super garage or whatever, builds this, like, crazy potato gun, gives him future tech. And then Tony goes on and does his thing, and in in game, the snap the blip happens and he dies. And then mm. at the at the funeral, there he is, the kid from Iron Man 3 standing in the people that are mourning Tony. He's right. there once again in just this moment. And what does that character do? Well, he would want to pick up the mantle of Stark. Iron Lad, who is the current timeline's version of Kang, because it's his same bloodline, a purification of blood. Boom. Iron Lad's here because he's got the tech from Stark. He kind of has a reason. He feels almost like Peter, but in a different headspace. He's like, oh, I can get techie and learn and put my wits about me, too. That's all Stark did. Mm-hmm. He didn't have spider powers or anything like that, you know? So he can think in a different headspace and be inspired by him and try maybe to start the new Young Avengers and stop Kang. And then you can spiral out multiple stories and get it even, 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 even bigger. Gotcha. So that's just me riffing on Kang for a time. And then I agree with you on Dr. Doom as well. I think Dr. Doom needs to be a longevity villain that never really truly goes away. I agree. Absolutely agree. So like 
he's in the Fantastic Four movie. They defeat him. He goes to the negative zone. Somehow he escapes. He ends up in a Thor movie. You're like, what the fuck? Then he ends up, you know, in an X-Men movie. And you're like, okay, things are getting really out of hand here. What are you doing, motherfucker? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, Anyways. I'm done riffing on that for a time. I've, I've, I, feel, I feel like I went off the rails a little bit. Well, I mean, to, to, to add one more thing for, for Doctor Doom, I mean, at, at what point is Doctor Doom a more menacing villain? When he's alone or when he's teaming up and masterminding and being the puppet master and pulling the string of, of, of other villains? Like, that is obviously when Doctor Doom is at his best. And they have the ultimate freedom to do whatever the fuck they want with that character moving forward. Like, it could be the perfect longevity villain for the MCU as a whole. And I love that you brought up the X-Men, Spider-Man. Like, plug in any, any um, you know, franchise, really. I mean, for lack of a better descriptor. Like, plug any of them in there. Doctor Doom can fuck it all up. Oh, totally. And in such an amazing and clever way. Like, yeah. Let me say this. I don't expect us to get, and this saddens me. Like I feel like I could, I could actually cry right now. But like, it's evident to me we will only get Guardians of the Galaxy three, and that's it. Yep. And that, and that's it. And that's a bow for that experience. And and, and that is. But if I had a wish list of shit, man, Doctor Doom versus the Guardians could possibly be one of the coolest non-expected crossovers because. It would be so like Doctor Doom to sneak onto the fucking Milano or something when they're on Earth, and 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 you know like I'm gonna go where they go and try to, f- because Doctor Doom's one of those guys, man. All he has to do is be in a situation, and he can say, "Oh, they're going for this treasure, but this other thing is here that can help me to world domination. I'll go to the world domination and make it seem like I'm trying to help them." And the, you right. know the Guardians are none the fucking wiser, and then he bamboozles them. Like it would be there's so much possibility for drama bringing Dr. Doom. And of course it just depends on who ends up playing him, I think, which would be another another big task of who do you cast that you love their voice and hate their face, but you love their face. Mm-hmm. Because you have to have a beautiful looking person who gets debeautified, who has a great voice, who can be okay staying behind a mask for the majority of the role. Right. And that's gonna be you're gonna be hard pressed to probably cast somebody. But I know Marvel and they'll do it. So they'll do it well. Um I have some other headlines here. Uh, apparently, there has been an Easter egg uh, for uh, Spider-Man 3 that just got found. And I'm going to read it. Someone was watching uh, Spider-Man 3 recently and noticed a detail that has escaped many over the year. It's not a big deal. doesn't provide extra information, but it's great to see it. Uh, a Reddit user posted a screenshot from, Iron Man th- or from Spider-Man 3. Sorry. Focusing on Peter Parker's right hand. If you look closely, you'll see the scar from what where it all started. And they actually do. They kept the scar on Parker's hand um, where he was bit in the first movie. And it's like pretty much the exact placement. That's really cool. That is a clever little tiny nod. Have you ever have you ever read any of the stuff about how like how much of a psychopath Tobey Maguire is? No. Dude, like I, I won't go into it here, but when we get done, like spend the next forty five minutes looking up like how much of a uh, fucking weirdo Toby Maguire is. I think the word you were looking for is douche canoe. Well, douche canoe, uh, sexual deviant, 
Um, oh my, a sexual like, deviant. Like fuck, just a a a, a a a weird dude, man. Like, yeah, look it up. Okay. Apparently, uh, also as a little tiny headline, there is and has been pitched a version of uh, Into the Spider-Verse 2 that may feature real official cameos from all modern live-era playing Spider-Mans that could also possibly spawn a movie. I don't know if that has any real weight to it or truth. That is just something that's kind of been in the rumor mill as of late. I've read a lot here lately about a live-action Into the Spider-Verse, and I don't necessarily really want that. I want... I want Into the Spider-Verse to stay kind of pure and, and, and be what it is on its own. You know, it doesn't it doesn't need to be... It, it, as fun as I think to watch it would be, like, we don't need that. No. I mean... You're... Go- okay, I think the best way to say this, it's going to be really a hard fucking challenge, in my opinion, to take into the Spider-Verse that was a animated movie that did so many comic booky just hit you right in the feel also perfect things and the way they did their paneling and visualistics and everything like that like all those things considered you're never going to replicate it as cool and as believable in a live action mm-hmm. because it doesn't fit it doesn't flow real world so now you've got to take away some of the shine that made into the Spider-Verse extra special because you know it's an animated movie, so then the fact that they can play around and add little touches of the comic booky esque things and pop art stuff and whatnot that you can't, you just can't, you can't right. do it the same. And then your balls are tethered because okay, it, what are you going to make the movie just Toby, uh, fucking Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland, and it's just those those three Spider dudes just roaming around doing their thing, and there's no other Spider Mans, there's no Spider Pig. You're not going to introduce uh, you know, Peter Porker or anything like that, like. What are you doing? The point of Into the Spider-Verse is multiple, multiple spiders, and you haven't dedicated enough time to explore that world to make it navigatable in a live-action setting yet. Well, and I think, too, like, if they do it, in, 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 it's just going to be forced. Like, Absolutely. Like, you are trying to make a thing be a thing. It's unnecessary. You know what I would rather have than a live-action Spider-Verse? I would ha- like to have an, uh, like a five or six issue run of more Into the Spider-Verse comics. Yes. Like 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 do some do some Into the Spider-Verse stuff where like Ben Riley Spider-Man is somehow uh you know that that version of Spider-Man is is involved at some point. Totally underrated too. You know Spider-Man 2099 like do do the massive crossovers that that we used to get fucking hard for like back in the 90s, you know? Like anytime you had multiple spiders interacting together at the same time, like they're so they're so different but they're so similar and like that that's the magic that into the Spider-Verse captured. Like we don't need I I don't need to see Toby Maguire and Tom Holland to have a conversation on screen. Like I just it's, don't. It's not that it's not that um, bombastic. It isn't no. that um, ap- appealing. Isn't even the word. It's not. And here, and let me just say this too. Just to, I'm going to play counter argument and and battle you with my thoughts. But like, uh, at the same time, if you're going to do that, if there is any time to do it, it has to be now. Because guess what? 
Tobey Maguire is not getting any fucking younger. Right. And Andrew Garfield is not getting any fucking younger. And and Tom Holland's got some time. I mean, he's, he's doing all right for a time, but the others are, uh, are not doing so good. And what frustrates me, like, all the, all the, like, the... The fanboyism that I guess I see on the internet for this Into the Spider Verse is it's all the it's all the Andrew Garfield Garfield fans that just want him to be Spider Man again. Like I'm sorry, I'm sorry, he was not a good Spider Man. That's why he's not Spider Man anymore. Like the movies fucking sucked ass. That's why he is not Spider Man. Like it's very well, I, simple. The last one sucked ass. The last one was. Bad. I didn't the like first, the first one either. I I okay so. The first two do have a special place in my heart. I'm going to just be real. Um, 2001 into 2002, I remember seeing that movie in theaters, like the first yeah. one, obviously, and it, it hit a special spot for me. And I was like at that very impressionable, like 14 years old. So I was like kind of the age that Peter Parker probably should have actually been. And so I was really, that was like when I really like, oh, I was a kid and I like Peter Parker, but now I really feel like Peter Parker and I like know that like pain of being a kid in school. Of course, I never got bit by a radioactive spider, so I guess I really don't know that well. But um, yeah. the third movie, though, when the first movie came out, I was like, I hope the third one is Venom and or Venom and Carnage, if you can make it happen, you know. And then we got the rumor like, oh, we're getting Venom, and I was like super pumped. And then as soon as I saw it, I was like, that is the weakest, dumbest, fucking cookie cutter horse shit I've ever seen. That's what you're making Venom look like, and instead of doing Venom and Carnage, you do Venom and Sandman. And what Hop is Goblin. this Spider-Man Variety Hour? Come on, dog! And that was the shittiest Hobgoblin. It was just Green Goblin two. Might as well just been Green Goblin two point two. <laughs> Fucking dumb shit, McGee. Oh, shit. Yeah. So like, and and we don't need to talk about Spider-Man for another uh, four or five hours, as far as like. The, the silver screen version of Spider-Man. It's just... Sure. They... they it, would be, it would be ultimately forced. It would be unnecessarily forced. You would not be able to do it justice. You know, the whole time... You, at least for me personally, the whole time I would be watching it, I would just be thinking about the animated Into the Spider-Verse and how much better it is. You know, because... And, and, and that's me being, like, biased and judgmental, like, right out of the gate, but... I mean, you would have to prove me wrong for me to disagree, and it, it, it's not—it's not probable for that to happen. So, May, I mean, my brain is sitting here worrying with possibility because I feel like—I will say—I feel like there is probably like a singular perfect storyline, and I don't know exactly what that is. That they would have to fudge in certain characters and expectations to essentially. One shot could tailor to you and me to love this film, but it would be very, very, very hard pressed to find that tiny thread in all of this because yeah. it's not needed. It's not. It's, it's not. just not. It's, it's just not necessary. And I think, I think that's really with with to to get more broad with you know all the projects being delayed, comic books, movies, video games. You know, all the shit that we like to enjoy in our personal lives, with all of those being delayed in 2020 with coronavirus, I think this is the year that we re we really need to grab a hold of the idea of let's not force things that are unnecessary um, and, and really hold on to it. Because, you know, you and I, and, and, and when Brandon and I did the show a couple weeks ago, what we have talked since this whole pandemic started is 
Black Widow, take all the time you need. Name any video game out there that's in development right now. Take all the time you need because, one, I want your business to continue, but two, I want you to give me a product that, that is worthy of your vision and that, for lack of, for for, you know, I'm sorry to say it's shitty, but that's worth my time. I was going to say it too for you. I was just waiting for to see if that's where you were going. But yeah, I agree. They need to, like, uh, you know, we've talked about the rumor of what Spider-Man game might come next and everything. And you're right. Take your time. I don't want you to give me a half-assed product that makes me go, hey... Like I don't want I don't want the next Spider Man game to essentially be fucking WWE twenty twenty. Yeah. That's so awful that it's a, an actual joke that damns the series. Yep. And that is very quick and easy to happen in this era, is that one wrong slip and your fans go, huh, nope. I'm not buying again. And and then and then you get into this great game where you're trying to win them back and look at a series like Assassin's Creed. They had a peak, then they nailed a valley, and now they're trying to peak again with this Assassin's Creed Valhalla. It piqued my interest. Valhalla? Oh, shit. That's cool as fuck. Different. Not something I would have expected them to do. I'm on board. You know? But take your right. time. Don't rush it to me at the end of this year if you need. You don't need to do that. It looks beautiful. Give it to me on the new system. It'll look extra beautiful. Right. You know? But... <laughs> I don't know, man. It's it's difficult. It's difficult to uh, to hold expectations for people right now in coronavirus times. Mm-hmm. Um, let's jump over. You have some fucking Star Wars and news, my dude. I mean, I got I got like news on news on news. Well, then just uh, deal out some news to us. On news, and we'll, we'll riff. So I'll start with the good stuff, and I'll save the one that I don't that that it's not necessarily bad news. It's just it's news that I don't care for. And and for anyone that's listened to any of our Star Wars discussions over the last couple of weeks, you'll 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 probably have a pretty good idea of what I'm going to bitch about. Um, but right out of the gate, we've got uh, some more casting news for the Mandalorian uh, season two. Timothy Oliphant, um, you know, not one that I expected. Kind of, kind of like everybody else that's that's been announced as, as being casted for the next season. Like, uh, these are people that, like, from what I'm reading, um, here here's a funny uh, tweet. It says Timmy Timothy Oliphant. Upon hearing there's a Western type show he hasn't been cast in yet, angrily jangling some spurs outside John Favreau's house at 2 a.m. Like. This guy is obviously passionate about the genre, and you know he's he's a funny dude, and he's a good actor anyway. Um, like it, it, it just fits and makes sense. So I'm pretty I hyped just, for it. Oh, I just saw Timothy Oliphant, and uh, I think he's in Boardwalk Empire. If you ever saw that show, uh, I've watched a little bit of it. I don't remember. I feel like the girls have been watching it, and I'm pretty sure that I saw him on an episode last night. Um, and I was like, "Oh, sweet, Timothy Oliphant's the shit." Yeah, I just remember him in in Deadwood and Justified. I remember him from also Santa Clarita Diet, and he was Agent Forty Seven. We talked about this a little bit off air, but mm-hmm. um, he's he. Uh, oh no, no no no! It was it was not. Ignore what I just said about it being. Boardwalk Empire. I forgot we started a movie last night that was so boring. I forgot it was a movie. Um, we started Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. 
Big boo. It was yeah. so slow, dude. I just I, could not. I I refused to watch it. Like, it, premise is cool. It's about Leo being a washed-up actor who, like, kind of falls into this shit, and they kind of have some real real-life shit that intermeshes with the fictional shit, which is cool, and they take, like... They had, like, a moment, Leonardo DiCaprio, they put him in a movie in, like, the fucking 50s or some shit that he clearly wasn't in, but he was cast in the role and didn't get the part and shit like that, so... Mm-hmm. But Timothy well, Oliphant was in that, and he was he was great. There's uh, two of my favorite Timothy Oliphant movies are The Crazies, pretty good zombie movie from 2010. Yes. Um, and uh, A Perfect Getaway. Have you ever seen that movie? No. It's got um, it's got Timmy Timothy Oliphant. Uh, uh, fucking um, shit. What is her name? My brain's not working. Mila Jovich, uh, Chris Hemsworth's in it. Steve Zahn's in it. It's 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 real good. That's a great cast. Holy shit! It's a it's a thriller movie that takes place on like this vacation island. You should you should check it out for sure. The Crazies. I can see the box. No, no, the, the Crazies is the zombie one. A perfect getaway is a the, perfect the, getaway. Yep, yep, yep. That's the thriller one. Okay. It's real good. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to look into that for sure, but I'm excited for Timothy Oliphant to be in The Mandalorian. Do they know what role he's playing yet? From from what I've read so far, no. He, the, the, well, I mean, I don't know that he's been cast in a role or that it's just they haven't announced it. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. I don't even know how to predict who he could possibly be because there are so many different things they could do with him. He could be... A voice he could actually be an alien, kind of like Horatio Sands was, where he's mm-hmm. not really recognizable at all. Which I thought was a clever use of Horatio Sands, who's very recognizable and would be, hey, he's in Star Wars, you know. Instead, it was like, hey, this character's cool, and you don't really know much about him or whatever. Right. Um, man, do you think well is Mandalorian still on track for later this year? Yes. Oh, bring it to us. They should drop yeah, it in the middle of the summer. Like, here's a gift to you. I saw a thing the other day that said Disney doubles down. I think the headline said something like Disney doubles down on it will not delay Mandalorian season two. Um, you know, something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing, but I, I think something uh, tragic would have to happen at Disney to delay that at this point. Because, I mean, if if they fucking delay the Mandalorian, we're going to be like rioting riot. in the streets. Yeah. Yeah. We, we thought we said it at the same time because I'm like, my brain went there too. Just like, you're not going to deny me my Mandalorian. You're already pissing me off denying me my Marvel. Like, like I'm, shut, I'm getting that Marvel itch right now, dude. We're a year. We haven't had, oh, aside from Spider Man Far From Home, we haven't had any Marvel in almost a whole year for the first time in 10 years. So it's like, you're an addict, Jones, and bro, I'm itching my veins, if you know what it, I'm saying. My it's, Marvel it's veins. Good. It's good, though, too, because we've detoxed from it. Yeah. So, I mean, but like I said, if if they delayed the Mandalorian, I mean, you know, give me liberty or give me death, shelter in place, you can fucking shelter in place my nuts because I want the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, you're like, give me my Mando. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, we were talking about the pops earlier, and I mm-hmm. saw the Grief Cargus pop is out now. Yeah, it's and dope. the one that I really wanted from that set, though, Offworld Jawa. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, I saw it and I was just like, uh. I mean, I, there might still be a, like a wet spot in Meyer where I was standing when I saw that pop and I was like, ah, uh. my pants are 
now maladjusted and a little sticky. Well, I mean, yeah. all like like to, to to briefly nerd over the Mando pops again, like the Q nine zero pop is I really 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 liked. Like they're they're all good. Like these are these are probably not because I love the show, but just in general, like these are probably some of my favorite pops in best designed. Yeah, I I, I really think so. Man, uh, speaking of Star Wars stuff. We okay. You know me. I like stories with crazy drugs and weird shit happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what did you say about Princess Leia's titties? Oh, uh, where is this headline? I had the article pulled up and I accidentally closed it. Oh, <laughs> God damn it! I accidentally closed it again. Here, I can speed send it to you because I'm a ninja. There. You sent it to me just as I pulled it up. Damn. Here's the headline. Carrie Fisher tells hilarious story of being recognized as Princess Leia while topless on LSD. Uh, I'll just paraphrase it here. First, Fisher describes that she had one long, pretty good trip as a frequent LSD user. She had outfits that went with acid, music that went with acid, makeup that went with acid, and basically viewed LSD as a ritual drug. Her house is shown in the documentary, and it definitely has some trippy themes to its decorum, with trinkets that were clearly made in place to be stared at while high. Um, when it comes, when it comes to the actual anecdote about her LSD, Leia encounter Fisher is hilariously her stereotypical self. First challenging the very idea of making orderly narrative out of your broken consciousness drug experiences. But when it comes to tell the tale, the actress doesn't hold back. Hi, I'm Carrie Fisher. I took a lot of LSD, so I would organize trips around to places in the world simply to take acid there. I would do these things and forget that I looked like someone named Princess Leia or whatever I was for people. And so it's not a brilliant idea to then, you know, take acid and go running around. Um, so, yeah, I went to the Seychelles and we took acid and, oh, my God, I was on the beach and there was no one else on the beach. And so I'm with my Super 8 movie camera and when this was, and I'm filming my friend, and as this is going, suddenly I sense that there's been a disturbance in the force. <laughs> Please don't put that in there. They kept Which it in there anyway. Yep. <laughs> anyway, I turn around, and by the way, I am i can't imagine that I'm nude, but certainly I'm topless. And we turn around, and there are a busload of Japanese folk that have arrived. And it turns out, where we are, it's where they bring the tourists to have lunch from all the hotels. <laughs> I am at that time, I believe, Princess Leia in a profound way and not clothed. I took acid and went, oh, I see. This makes sense. (laughs) That's That's like bad luck McGee all over again. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, I just uh, was going to go do my thing and have a trip and be my own person and not worry about shit. And, oh, my God, I'm a celebrity with my tits out. (laughs) Oops. Oh shit! I will say, kudos to the busload of Japanese dudes that got to see it, though. Yeah. I mean, in the prime. I mean, Leia in her prime. I I will also say, initially when you started reading it, I was like, she did not tell this story. She has passed away. That doesn't make any sense. She told it previous, but then I realized it was in a documentary, and I was like, I that makes even more sense. So yeah, I haven't seen the documentary, but now now I want to. 
Totally. Speaking of uh, the founding uh, Star Wars fathers of the, well, the groundwork of what we love as Star Wars, uh, Mark Hamill detailed how he wanted to do uh, turning Luke to the dark side. Mm-hmm. And it says... Uh, if you want me to take this one. Yeah, 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 go ahead. Uh, It says, I remember complaining to George about something in Revenge of the Jedi. Of course, it was then later turned to Return of the Jedi because how can vengeless Jedi take revenge? Uh, He said, it's so predictable and Pat, Mark, he said, don't forget, these things were made for children. His original intention was make movies for, you know, for kids, adolescents, and youngers, and we're bringing our adult sensibilities to it, and that's where we go wrong. He's the man. He knows what he wants. And I realized he was right. All the fairy tales get tied up neatly at the end. So he said, well, I thought I was turning evil because I was wearing all black. I thought I would go to the dark side in the last one. And of course you have to redeem yourself. But that movie is the way I felt. And I was going with the preceding episode. But every actor wants to play their own evil twin. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <coughs> Here's one thing that I really appreciate about that. It says... While this isn't necessarily new information as Hamill has revealed this antidote on multiple occasions, it serves as a testament to Hamill's passion for the character and the number of times he wishes for a character deviated from a Star Wars director's goals. Like, he had a different vision from Luke almost the entire time that he played the character, and but he never deviated from the director's vision. So that applied to George, that applied to Ryan Johnson, you know, to J.J. Abrams, whatever. Throw anybody in there that you want. Like, let's all give a round of applause for Mark Hamill for just doing his job and not being a diva. When a lot of times, historically, Mark Hamill's been a pretty big diva. Well, and I think anybody who at that age seeks that kind of fame yeah, uh, <clears throat> can have warped perceptions of reality. And you forget that every person is still just a person. Like, nothing, you know, nothing is permanent. And and you know, I think that honestly, of all the actors and actresses from the original Star Wars, Hamill kind of has one of the more interesting journeys because he did, you know, have this perception that he should be a big movie star. And then outside of Star Wars, he wasn't in a lot of big movies. Nope. Because he became a voice actor and he learned a new talent and he did something that he really enjoyed and um, cut his teeth that way. You know, Harrison Ford could go make movies and he made tons of movies and movies and movies and movies and movies. But um, I don't know, man. I think it would be it would be interesting to see had any of Mark Hamill's ideas actually come through. I would love to see like him plot out like this is when I said I wanted to go evil. These are the things I was thinking we should do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, here's new late breaking news. Apparently, some new MCU secrets have been revealed. Lay it on us. Um, <clears throat> hold on, it's loading. Uh, let's see. There's apparently a video. Uh, doctor, it says Doctor Strange is wearing the Iron Man suit. Peter Parker is in big trouble for Spider Man 3. Video of Chris Evans wrapping his career as Captain America. None of these nor many of the other reveals over the weekend come from trailers or announcements for future films, but instead writer and directors of Infinity War and Endgame having a worldwide rewatch of the films. Uh, So they did the rewatch, quarantine watch party of Infinity War, and uh, let's see, here are some things. So comic book says 
there were other versions of this shot with uh, Doctor Strange wearing the Stark suit. Um, but they, of course, cut that. Uh, here's... Uh, it says, okay, there was an early idea. We just reached a critical mass. Okay, hold on. Oh, Nova. Nova. They're talking about Nova here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, uh, Christopher McFeely, I think is his name, says, it was an early idea, but we just reached a critical mass of new characters. After we got rid of the Xandar sequence, it didn't make much sense. Mm-hmm. So there was also a Xandar sequence. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, it's, the, it's the sequence that, that we as fans wanted and, and, and nerded out over for... The entire wait from uh, Infinity War to Endgame, like we wanted to see that Xandar sequence, the sequence of getting the Power Stone, and we still never got it, and I'm still pissed about it. Well, I think we're gonna get that in the Eternals, and that's gonna be kind mm. of more of a reason to show Thanos's backstory. Gotcha. You know, his current story is pretty much done, so no reason to go there. But in a way of telling the, you know, reason why the Eternals are trapped on Earth or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. uh, this is pretty interesting. Um, here's some big trouble for Spidey in the future because the Sokovia Accords are very much still a thing. Yeah. Which means that Peter has very much been breaking them. Yeah, so now he's a fugitive of the law. And a fugitive because they think he killed Mysterio. Right. And then, of course, they also tweeted... Uh, a couple things that were also tweeted from the directors was um, video from Chris Evans' last day of playing Captain America, mm-hmm. hugging different people and you know them saying thank you, and then also uh, the first day of Captain Marvel on set, which was in the Milano in the Guardian ship with the crew on their way to go find Thanos. Hmm. Uh, someone says... Was Captain Marvel's role ever explained in other drafts? And they said, no, the goal for Endgame was always to highlight the original Avengers as we said goodbye. Newer characters generally took smaller roles as a result. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So it seems like, and there's, and I, I'm, there's like, I could sit here and continue to read because there's a ton of stuff they revealed. I mean, a ton. They've got a picture of the script they revealed. Um, what about Natasha's funeral? They said, we tried a few things. We could never land on one that felt good enough and that didn't take you out of the moment in front of you. Uh, man, I'll have to go through and like really, really eye these cause there, there's probably some pretty cool shit. <clears throat> okay. 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 Here, here might be one last one. Of course, uh, there is a case for the Infinity Gauntlet for onset. And uh, from comicbook.com, it says, I believe there's an existing myth of a gauntlet that could unify the stones, hence the fake one in Odin's vault, and Thanos wearing this fashionable practice gauntlet. When he needed a real one, he went mm-hmm. to Eitri, who also provided a handy carrying case, which is, of course, a joke, because it's in the carrying case. So, essentially, the one in Odin's vault was like a myth and he had it as a myth with no real stones. Thanos had a practice one that he just was like, okay, how would I do this? And then realized he would need each tree. And then that's kind of where we meet him going into infinity war. Mm-hmm. Fucking a. All right. Well, dude, I think we're on to the last part of our show. Eh? I, I would think so. Okay. Well, let's, uh, 
let's tell people what we're getting into today, my friend, as we are doing more comics. A good one. Real good one. Real, real good one. We are starting a six-part saga that will conclude on Journey into Comics 300. I'm going to just say it now. We're going to make that our goal. Uh, as we are reading the six-part series, Craven's Last Hunt, mm-hmm. starting in Web of Spider-Man 31. And uh, before we officially like touch on some of the stuff that happens within the book, T.Y., give me your immediate reaction, dude. It's fantastic. That's the word I would use. Absolutely fantastic. A very well-put-together, well-thought-out story and not overly complicated with dialogue. Mm-mm. Getting back to kind of the basics of good comics, you know? <clears throat> so, uh, just to quickly vibe through this really quickly, this is a this is obviously a Craven story. It's mm-hmm. it's Craven heavy. It does involve Peter Parker. Um, but man. I would this, say this one this one is definitely Spider Man adjacent. Adjacent. Oh good. Spider Man adjacent might be the episode title. Because like <clears throat> there there's some shit that Craven gets into like in in what I have read of the series so far that like you couldn't have paid me to come up with in my mind like this is the best this is the best Craven material I've ever read like dude and the visualistics of it this is oh yeah okay so I don't know about you but as soon as I started reading this and this is also my first read of Craven's Last Hunt officially. So I started reading this, and immediately in my head, I could see this on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Like, so here's what I see playing out. You obviously have the Venom 2 rumor right? that Tom Holland's going to be a part of it. You have, so Venom 2, I've also said it would be awesome if the symbiote leaves Eddie Brock for a time. Because mm-hmm. it drives him to become more of a villain when he gets the symbiote back eventually. Right. Also gives us purpose for Spider-Man to change because everyone knows who he is now. He's just been outed as Parker. So if Black Suit Spider-Man shows up and he's got a different attitude, it's not Peter Parker, man. It can't be, you mm-hmm. know? And then to have him with the Black Suit and then Craven is the next thing we get. Oh. Or a Craven, you know, solo movie even I would almost be okay with. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything I saw in this book was, like, made for the for the big screen. Yeah. Um, I'm... Like, I, I cannot agree with you more. He, you know, to start the book officially, just to kind of get into some of what we're seeing, you get Craven, and he's kind of in his own thing on the hunt. He's hunting panthers, and, and essentially he's in a, it looks like a trophy room. Mm-hmm. Um, and all these things are not real. They're all taxidermied animals, and he's freaking out, and he runs out of wherever he is. We get this scene where we keep seeing this grave being dug. And that's a ever-occurring thing through the issue. Um, and I love how they describe Kravenoff talking about how he was from the old country and mm-hmm. you know things went wrong and they seeked asylum and got away because they were smart, still very sophisticated aristocrats and um, not these like mongrels. And my favorite panel, uh, one of my two favorite panels of this book is in um, this line here where we're learning about Craven. He says, Were my parents alive today, they would look upon this frightened, wounded animal called civilization without recognition and great fear and great disgust. Mm-hmm. 
uh, because it's just setting the tone for his his revenge, his anger. He's uh, yeah, he's not thrilled right now. Well, and and probably my favorite part of this entire issue, um, you know, comedically, it's the fact that Craven runs around naked ninety percent of the time, and that he fucking open palm like karate chopped a fucking like looks like gorilla's head off uh in the beginning but it's it's that bottom panel where it's just the guy digging a grave so like the first time we see that would be on page three it's the bottom panel you know he's already up to his waist digging that grave skip a page skip a page Four, like he, like every couple of pages, it goes back to that bottom panel of that guy digging that grave, and like that. Every time we've done one of these comic, you know, kind of walkthroughs or reviews, I've, I've, um, you know, fanboyed over the art style or certain panels, but like this takes the cake for sure. Oh, it's beautifully done, and mm-hmm. they are setting through. And I love that you know you called it Spider-Man adjacent. I think that's a very accurate descriptor. Uh, we get Craven's story to start. It transitions into Parker's story. Mm-hmm. You know, th- there is apparently just a no-name thug villain we're calling Joe Face. Yep. It's kind of a you know term for just a everyman John Doe type. Um, but this one's special to Parker, and the people mourning this guy uh, think that Parker's there to like fuck him up and break him up, and because he's in the black suit looking like a badass. Right, and they don't realize he's human too, and he has emotions, and he, he maybe cared for this guy, and they maybe had some sort of a working relationship. You know, Parker was a friend to everybody, um, mm-hmm. or at least I, tried to be. At least tried to be, yeah. I mean, even bad guys, he was just like, "Come on, man! Like, we don't have to do this. Can't we just go out for a nice cup of coffee instead of fighting Doc Ock?" You know, but like, let's get a slice of pizza. Exactly, and <clears throat> he's just talking about how like. They wouldn't know me that they think I'm a wall-crawling freak. Like, he's, you know, he's using all of the Peter Parker descriptors that he's always felt uh, being different and being who he is. Um, I love that we get him at home, and he, like, lays down to to rest. And he's also starting to kind of question his own mortality, and he says, I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. Uh, But not yet. And then the next panels are maybe my favorite in the whole book. The Spider Craven, like dude, ugh. like it, like I started, like ah, it makes me uncomfortable, itchy, unsettling. Yeah, like and he's, he's like, just he's fucking munching on them, munching on some spiders. Straight That's spi- the episode title: S- Spider Goo. Munching on spider goo, <laughs> like he's trying to—he's trying to be one with the spider. Like they're fucking—he's naked, spider goo. Well, and I think he's—that's that primal side of him. We're seeing Craven like he wants to tap into whatever his talent is, and he's becoming a part of them. He immersed himself in the spider. He—he he is eaten of the spider, you know. So his senses are heightened to the spider. Mm-hmm. And it's like this, you know, the next panel is the cityscape and Parker's doing his thing and he doesn't really know something's wrong, but he's also feeling something's not right. Yeah, he just doesn't feel right. And I love that there's the yellow panel, which is like him, just his inner dialogue, calmly talking, mm-hmm. just like, oh, okay, like, 
let's get real, Parker. You know, ever since uh, Ned died, you've been upset, really upset, and then all of a sudden, red, which is like his warning. So, yeah, I I, re- I really really like the way that they did the dialogue in these uh, in these panels where, like, each they're not bubbles, they're blocks. Everything's like block lettered. Um, each dialogue block is color coded to a certain character and either their inner monologue or their actual outward voice um you know that's that's super unique and and it obviously you know you got to appreciate shit like that oh absolutely and i love that there's the he gets in front of the billboard and he's like so why am i so sure that there's something out there that something's waiting for me he like he mm-hmm. feels his spider sense is telling him there's something wrong but he isn't it's like he can't buy into his own spider sense yep and then you hear, you know, uh, you know, Sergio Kravinov, Spider, Spider, Burning Bright. He says some stupid, not good at all rhyme that doesn't rhyme at all. And I'm just like, oh, okay. And then Parker's even like dumb, very dumb, but he doesn't realize what's happening. He's seeing Joe face, but he's really not seeing Joe face. He realizes he's been drugged. He's like having this manic freak out. Mm-hmm. And um, my favorite... I, I know I've said the word favorite a lot in this episode, but my favorite little bubble of text in this book is on this page, and it's Craven. And he says, Tonight I have widened my consciousness with, consciousness with herb and roots. Tonight I have immersed myself in your being, eaten of your flesh. Talking about the spiders he had eaten. Mm-hmm. Tonight my mind has penetrated your essence. It feasts upon you like maggots feasting upon a corpse come to me he's like calling parker daring him mm-hmm. cuz he knows he knows parker is too um what's the word tyler cocksure i guess is the way yeah. to say it yeah and he's like oh i can shake this off i can shake the dart toxins off cuz cuz it, it works every time and craven operates this way every time but what he doesn't realize is craven is not that craven right now nope and um Craven's yeah. in a scary place. We're we're still getting the back and forth with the jungle drums and the red and the he keeps hearing them and it's like freaking him out. And it's also the drugs that are coursing through Parker's veins. Um what did you think when he was trapped and then we get this panel, I think it's I'm not sure what exactly page we'd call it, it's towards the end, um, where Parker's trapped in the net. And then it's a rifle. A rifle? Like he realizes, like, red red yeah. alert. Danger, yeah, danger, like, danger, I, danger. I was actually going to read through that. So. Please do. Par- Parker Parker's talking about, like, how the drug is affecting him. Like, Craven's beating the fuck out of him. Like, knocking him from, from rooftop to rooftop. Like, he is totally out of his element. He's And this is Parker's inner monologue. He says, oh, he's drugged me. All right, but if I can just hang in for a little bit, a little while longer, my recuperative powers should throw off the effects before too terrific. Don't know what this net is made of, but it's made of something I'd have to trouble with at full strength. Headaches getting worse. And it just, like, the order of operations of what's going on in his mind, it just keeps getting worse and worse. And I've been in worse shape before. I know Craven's method. Peter's thinking he would never, he would never shoot me with a gun. He's above that. You know, uh, rifles are below him. 
<laughs> Looks like a rifle. And then, like you said, a rifle? And Craven is just, like, you can see it in his eyes. His eyes are red. Like, he's in the fucking loincloth. He's got the lion mane on his shoulders, you know. He's Spider-Goo drunk, bro. Yeah, he's he's fucking all jacked up on Spider-Goo. Um, you know, I, I, I the first time that I saw this, I didn't necessarily know if Peter was going to get shot or if, like, he was going to get some Spider-Goo from Craven. You know what I mean? Ew. Um, <laughs> But, I have uh, eaten your kind. Now I will kind you on your face. Y- ah, you will eat my kind. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Craven's got uh, Peter trapped in this like fucking bola net, and like just straight up walks up to him while Peter is having like an almost out of body experience freak out and fucking shoots him. Boom! Like shoots him right in the head. And then I love that we got in the four panels leading up to that. Yesterday, Ned leads. Today, Joe face. Tomorrow, Aunt May, Mary Jane. And he said next was him on that list. Yep. And right when in his head it gets to him, bam. And I love it's blam, black panel. Now you can't see the dude in the grave, but he's still digging. He's that yep. deep. Yep. And then we get uh, we get a funeral scene. Dude, This this is like... I didn't know how to really feel about this because like if you really like if you think about it like Peter knows who Craven is right he knows this manor exists he know fucking Cra- he knows that that Craven posts up there like why would he not be proactive enough to put Craven away to where he couldn't come after him and it's so like it's so off-putting to see Spider-Man, black suit Spider-Man, laying in a coffin in the rain. You know the 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 prototypical Superman funeral or not superhero funeral where it's raining. Um, Always got to rain when a hero dies. It, yeah, it's like I just I don't like I didn't know how to feel about it. Who are these people? Who, who, yeah, who do we surmise are the people here? Because it kind of looks like Stark. And I don't recognize anybody else, and then I immediately go, well, then it can't be Stark, because that's not Stark. It looks like Craven in a suit. Yep. So, who is with Craven? Who are these people? Who's handling the body of, assumedly, Parker? Why does he look remorseful? You know, as he's as he's shoveling dirt, he looks sad. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look happy until he does. Yeah. And then he kind of, you know, recites his saying... And we go deeper and deeper into the darkness of the grave that's being filled. Oh, yeah. Like, like I want to know who this guy, the grave digger, is. Like, this guy's just standing shirtless in like a torrential downpour, like just making me feel real uncomfortable. Fuck about pneumonia. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's making me feel real uncomfortable. Um, But yeah, like. That last that last panel of, like you know, Craven basically like, fuck, just like the the total one eighty of emotion, and, um, you know that final little black, it, it the final little like fade to black where it says symmetry, where in his mind he's like, wait a minute, I should just stay the spider in his mind is what he's thinking, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like why but, do I have to, I I'm I could. I've 
eaten the spider. I've partaken of the spider. My mm-hmm. senses are heightened like a spider. I could be the spider. It's not the first time a villain has tried to become the Spider-Man. Right. It certainly would not be the last. So opening on this book, man, um, you know, typically we always talk about it. You can't come out of the gate with a home run on your first book. But what did you think? Uh, seven and a half out of ten. Man, I was gonna say an eight out of ten. So we're we're right in the ballpark mm-hmm. there. I think I thought it was very solid. I loved the more old school look, the old school feel. Obviously, this book is several several years old, decades right. at this point old. Um, but this is a story that I've always wanted to read. I've just never gotten around to, and now's the time. So um, it's a nice step back in the history of uh, Craven. And uh, I'm trying to see here if there's a date of when the original came out. Well, there, there's so, there's so many things in this. While well, you're looking for that, that like in this first book, that is are subtle. Like when Peter's in front of the billboard, we didn't talk about what was on the billboard at all. But it's an advertisement for a bug killing chemical called Frayed. It says kills bugs dead where they hide. Like, and then you know Peter's falling, and they 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 highlight bugs dead where they hide in one of the bottom panels. So, like, there's so much subtlety in this issue that, like, there's so many individual things that, that make you, that take you out of your comfort zone. Like, uh, right after he starts doing the spider munch, when it's really focusing in on, like, the spider goo, like, leaking out between his teeth, and, like, it's definitely not a book for to for somebody to read with a weak stomach, and I really, really like that it is spider adjacent. This isn't a Peter Parker story. This is a Craven the Hunter story, and we don't get a lot of those. So, yeah, and I love that it's multiple parts over multiple books, and it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna once I'm off air here, I'm gonna actually go pull out the few books that are from the amazing Spider-Man run that I have that are in this series. I would love to just like revisit the art once I've read through them, you know, um, mm-hmm. because this story is very impactful. And again, I'm just going to say it again. It's so beautifully done that I can imagine it on the big screen and not put yeah. a lot of effort into it. Well, especially too, now that they're doing the, the Morbius movie, like what's stopping them from doing something like this? If a movie like Morbius is successful, we need Momoa as Craven though. At least somebody of that nature, you know. It's got to be, it's got to be Momoa. It's got to be somebody big, and you know, for lack of a better descriptor, they got to be tribal. I mean, they got to be, they 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 got to be visceral. They got to be an animal, you know. So there's not very many people out there that I would pick to fill that role. Um, Jason Momoa, obviously, being towards the top of that list. Uh, I mean, Cal Drogo is fucking Craven the Hunter, basically, so. Dude, I'm telling you. Yeah. It'll be perfect. Yep, I agree. I mean, I don't know if he would look as good with that kind of facial hair, but he ain't gonna look bad. Nope. I mean, they can do him up nice. Uh, You know, about 25, 30 years ago, I would have said Iron Sheik might be a good role for Craven, but I don't think now. He's a little out there, a little (laughs) old. (laughs) Uh, man, I, I I dug this book. I'm excited to to find out what comes next. You said you read the first three of these. I think so. Yeah, sweet. I think I stopped so, after the third one. 
you're like, holy shit, I'm getting too far in. I'm going to start bleeding them all together. Uh, yeah, that that's really why I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> that's a real problem to have in life, man. Uh, apparently, there was a filming rumor about Guardians. Um, the filming of GOTG will begin filming February 21st, 2021 in Atlanta. It's official. They posted on the Instagram. And James Gunn responded, this is not true and has never been true. <laughs> so They should have... They should have started filming that movie fucking two years ago. Correct. But Disney had to play the uh, the game. You know the game. Yep. The I game. bitched about it. I've, we I hate bitched the game. about it. Ugh. That was almost 100 episodes that James Gunn got fired. That was episode 201. Yeah. Forever and a day ago. But, man, I don't know. We got anything else we want to do before we rock it out of here? Uh, I think that's it. Man, we do so good. We took it home right an hour 30 and change. Mm-hmm. All right, folks. Well, as always, you can check out the Journey Into Comics podcast on journeyintocomics.com at the Journey Into Comics Network. Get us on Apple Music, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, CastBox, TuneIn, and many others, including the new Google Podcasts, which will be coming soon. Just search Journey Into Comics Network. Subscribe to our feed. Get all of our awesome shows as many days of the week as we put out content. You know, when the coronavirus is over, we hope to get back to an every day of the week schedule, but right now it's a little difficult to get together with friends, I'm just saying. Um, But I think that's going to do it for this week. T.Y., you got anything else to add, my brother? Nope. Take us home, Pod Daddy, Podfather, Captain, Professor Nate. Podlicious. Ooh. Okay. Uh, Well, Professor Pod. Okay. Well, I think that's going to do it for Journey Into Comics (laughs) 296. That's a two. Jacked on that spider goo. I've been Nate. <laughs> I've been Tyler. And as always, we want you to pop that cap back and fill your brains with spider goo. <laughs> Later, guys. <laughs> Later. <laughs>